Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. All right. Conan Neutron. Conan Neutron. Welcome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. We are. Been listening to your shit for uh, a few days now. It's good stuff, man. Thanks. Very good. Just before we get going, I want to give a shout out to my dude, Adam from Nerd Table. Yeah. One of your former guests for basically making making this happen. So. No, we love Adam. He's cool. Yeah. Very talented cat, I think. Mm -hmm. Really dig his record. It's amazing. Well, all the stuff, really. Good, good stuff. Dude's got a vision, and he, uh, yeah, not afraid to implement it. Which, if more people were like that, I think we'd have a better world. Oh, absolutely, especially in music, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, another uh, shout out I got to give a, a friend of yours. So you have a bunch of different musicians that you tour with, right? But then there's your studio set, right, right, right. So Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends, is the name of the band, and mm-hmm. the. Live, it's always me and the bass player, Tony, which he was in bands called uh, Trophy Wives, Coliseum, mm-hmm. a bunch of other bands like that. Uh, and then we have different folks to play with us live. Various different lineups can be confusing for people sometimes because it's not always the same people. Yeah, uh, We kind of base it on availability, uh, things along those lines. But the re- recordings are always myself on guitar and vocals, Tony on bass, and then Dale Cover of the Melvins on drums. Nice. Nice. And that never changes. That's that's always that's always very static. And it's usually about like a four piece band, mm-hmm. uh, two guitars, bass, drums, but it's been up to Christ, one time we did like an eight piece band. Wow. Uh we've done a power trio set before. It, it it changes somewhat based on availability, somewhat based on need for most the, the touring units tend to be four pieces just because it's kinda Harder to cram more than four people into a van. Sure. <laughs> yeah. it's like, like a logistical right. concern, really, more than anything else. So do you go, like, availability, do you go just by regional acts, too? Like, who's in uh, certain areas for, like, touring in certain spots? or mm-hmm. Like the Chuck Berry uh, model? <laughs> um, right. Exactly. Kind of. It, it depends on the use case. It depends on how long we're going to be out for. It depends on availability. We definitely have... I mean, we have more than enough people for like a baseball team and then some. Right. <laughs> and some of them play in other bands. So if somebody's other band is. Right. Well, not right now, but if somebody's other band is doing <laughs> stuff like recording or touring or whatever, then that obviously lets that out. You, you kind of go down the list. There's definitely internal logic to it. I don't know if necessarily would make sense to anyone other than me, but it's sort of <clears throat> just whoever I ask to do it. And somebody, if I ask someone to do it and they can't do it, then I just pop on down the list and at this point we have enough awesome folks that know like a set or two plus of songs that it's actually pretty easy for us it's just kind of interesting when we'll do one lineup for one leg of a tour and then another lineup for another because even though mm. it's the same songs like everyone kind of plays things a little differently so it's, it's right can be a little bit of a it's actually not as it's actually pretty easy now but originally that was a total that was a mind bender to get your head around. Yeah. Like, oh, it's the same songs, but you know, everyone plays a little bit differently and everyone has their own like things that they do. And the idea being that we lean into it, right? We, we, we accentuate. Mm-hmm. Like I don't ask anyone that who I don't appreciate 
they're playing and enjoy their playing. So whatever they bring to that role, I want to try to accentuate that. And I'll oftentimes pick the set because of that. But the idea behind it was sort of like, we'll do it run like the Avengers or something, right? It's always the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) You don't necessarily have all the same superheroes on, but it's always the Avengers. You can assemble the Avengers and it's, and and, and, you know, the Avengers will come save your ass. You know, the Hulk may or may not be there. Black right. Widow may right. or may not be there, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, right. as silly as that sounds, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's the modus operandi, which is that it's always Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, uh, which the even in the band name, it, it isn't just that Secret Friends is like, oh, you don't know what's going on necessarily, mm-hmm. which is like sort of the obvious definition, but a Secret Friend is like in high school where you have like the creative kid, like the the nerd or, or weirdo or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then the popular kid wants to be friends with them because they know that this, this kid's awesome, but can't do it publicly. So they're friends yeah, with right. them like outside school. <laughs> and then, like every other eighties movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and then what ends up happening is that the creative kid, like, you know, founds a startup and like makes, you know, billions of dollars or, you know, like whatever, <laughs> right. Becomes like a famous artist or something. And like the popular <laughs> kid is like selling cars at their dad's car lot or something along those lines. But <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like the true definition. The only reason I bring it up is a lot of people just because it's anytime you get a sentence long band name, you're kind of open yourself up for. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, for people to shorten it any which way they see fit, which can be obnoxious sometimes. But yeah, it, it, it is a band name. It's just that the band members uh, change very frequently. But it's always Tony. It's always myself. And recording wise, it's always Tony and myself and Dale on drums and then Toshi Kasai producing mm-hmm. which uh, that's another thing adam and i share is that toshi's produced a bunch of yeah. the uh, nerd yeah. table stuff also he's an amazing producer great producer great noise musician um, yeah yeah i love toshi. yeah yeah i mean just like just ridiculously talented dude <clears throat> just all-around cool guy <laughs> so yeah i saw one person on the rotation i guess it makes a smaller world too because i, I talked i was just talking to uh, kevin seal a little a uh, little while oh, ago yeah yeah uh, yeah i was like i was like yeah. are you the same kevin seals on his, his discography he's like yeah that's me man i, yeah, I played with him and uh so he says hi by the way oh awesome, um, awesome. Right on. i love kevin says your says your stand-up cat yeah kevin from uh, griddle um we had chris mcgrew on yeah oh uh, how funny small world yeah. okay yeah cool so yeah keep uh, shrinking Yes, it's he's getting smaller all the time. Yeah, um, you and I were talking off, and we do have several Bay Area connections. And I know you're not in the Bay now, but you kind of got your origins there. No, no, and I have deep roots there. And we got well again not right now because we're not touring, but we play. You know, we play the Bay Area a couple times a year. If anybody ever wants to know the secret for a local band having people come to your shows, move away. worse for me anyway you know your mileage may vary but uh, yeah kevin seal he actually when we play oakland or san francisco because he can't really tour he oftentimes will sit in with secret friends on keyboards and vocals and that's always a treat because he's such a he's a badass at both but i mean i mean the guy flat out gives vocal lessons so that should tell you like you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah and he's a great musician i was a huge fan of griddle and, you know, all, all he does. But, uh, yeah, awesome dude. Yeah, he says you're a stand-up cat, too. I, I don't know him that well. I know him through Chris. But, you know, mm-hmm. um, we are going to have him on pretty soon, too, I think. Oh, cool. That, that'll be a delight. Yeah, he, he's got a project going on, too. I, I don't know that I can – I don't want to say what it is because it's not still kind of 
in the works with another person that we've had as a guest on before. So he's excited about that, wants to come on the show and talk about it, but we'll talk about it a little bit after. Well, the weird thing about running a band this way is it becomes six degrees of Kona Neutron, right? Because yeah, right. <laughs> I've totally run into people like, uh, you know, we, we were playing in, I think it was Minneapolis and <clears throat> Jonathan Brown, JB, who used to play in a band called Tyranny is Tyranny and still kind of plays in a band called Coordinated Suicides. It was like, God, your drummer looks really familiar. I was like, oh, do you ever <laughs> yeah. see Tyranny is Tyranny? It's like, oh, yeah, we played with them. It's like, yeah, I used to play in Tyranny is Tyranny. They were like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Mm hmm. But it's such a like, not everybody plays in bands that sounds exactly like what Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends do, because it's basically a big, weird rock band. Right. So some right. folks are in bands that are a little weirder, more academic or And I come from the world of, you know, my old band until this band, the band that most people know me from, if they knew me, was a band called Replicator, which is a flat out noise rock band, like along the lines <clears> of like <throat> Shellac or Melvin's Jesus Lizard, like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So. I, I understand that, you know, for folks that are coming from that world, it can be like a little bit off putting, but then th there's precedent for it. I mean, the Red Fang guys were all in, you know, Shiny Beast and Last of Juanitas and these really great, super interesting bands that made no money and nobody would come see. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then they right. go make this like awesome, like big rock, like PBR swill and good time music and they like are really good at it and make a career out of it. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Guess what? These guys were in bands that would probably be more interesting to you, but uh, there's not enough of you. Right. Now, now they're professional musicians and they make kick-ass records for a living. So good on them. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sounds like our podcast. We. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the whole niche. They, we we yeah. feel like we get interesting people on and that degrees of separation. John and I had a recent conversation about how, man, you know, I can think of all kinds of artists that we aren't that many steps away from in terms of having to have guests. Sure. <clears throat> and we've only been doing this a year, but I could connect to all kinds of people in, in just a few steps, just for the people we've had on. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Adam both have um, played with Dale. I mean, me far more, but Dale played with Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic and Nirvana. You know, he's got, they have some platinum records in, at the studio in the shitter, I might add. Yeah. Uh, that, that, are, <laughs> that, that are from the Nirvana box set because he's on, you know, those songs that are on the first record on an incesticide. Every once in a while, I'll remember that. Like, we'll be hanging out, talking about like whatever old stories. And except for some of Dale's stories are like, oh, yeah, one time me and Chris and Kurt were, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah we had gary lee connor on a while back so we got a lot of Ooh. those kinds of stories out of him yeah yeah and when he's casually mentioning chris and you realize it's like chris cornell and you're like yeah. oh which yeah. chris was that oh yeah okay all right cool yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one who gave you a guitar uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yada 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 well it just reminds <laughs> me of like when i had Jay Robbins on the first time uh, on my podcast and he like dropped how he ended up like playing bass for scream. <clears throat> and at the time I was, I, I was so busy because I was so excited to talk about Jawbox stuff. I was excited to talk about his stuff. Uh -huh. it did, I just blasted right past me at the time. And then I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Was that when Dave Grohl was in scream? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, God damn it. God damn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that didn't, didn't occur to you to mention that? It was like, okay, so I had to wait till I had him on the second time to be like, and then like a listener even brought it up. I'm like, yeah, it, it was. They're like, oh, yeah. Right. And so it was, it was like, yeah, so you played in a band with Dave Grohl for a little while. Like, that's kind of yeah, weird. Right. But then also, it's not like Jay Robbins is, is unknown either. But 
No, what was I going with this? No, no, but like, it, oh yeah, that that twelve, that you know, six six degrees of cone and neutron. <laughs> it was a little bit another Bay Area guy. We had Jason Cropper on, and yeah, we we did like two episodes, and we barely, you know, oh yeah, you were in Weezer too, and then back to the conversation. <laughs> right, right. If you get one of those people that's like a, like a that guy, where like uh, Matt Sweeney from Chavez <laughs> is like that a lot. He played with like Iggy Pop uh, on the uh, that post pop depression record, and like did the tour with them. Mm-hmm. But he also played in that super group Zwan with uh, Billy Corgan. Yes. Just like my yeah. buddy uh, mm-hmm. Dave Paho from Slint. He's like a gun for hire. Like he's a dude that just goes and is in people's bands. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even tell you like half the bands that like like he plays in, but like he's become like a pickup guy and he like <laughs> and he plays with like these various different bands because he's just right. known for having the skills, being low drama, and it's not necessarily that he's going around the world playing his own music necessarily, but he gets to go with this be a musician for a living, which is pretty cool. Sounds sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right right now maybe not so much sure. but uh in general you know <laughs> right you've been at this a while doing the podcasting uh game as well yeah yeah i uh i do a show called conan neutrons protonic reversal uh it's mm-hmm. been just shy of you know i think it might have just hit the six year mark Oh, wow. Like this month. And the whole thing with it is that I, I do do it live. That's It's a live show, and then it's podcasted later. Okay. And one of the things I found, because it's largely, son of a bitch, April 15th, 2014. It will be six years tomorrow. Whoa. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. How about that? We just passed our first anniversary. Wow. It's always a celebration if you hit any anniversary for uh, (laughs) for a medium like this. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) Our first month, we were like, yay. <laughs> we had yeah, 20 yeah. listeners. Cool. <laughs> right, totally. So so the whole thing with me is that there's a lot of me talking music with musicians that I like, basically. Mm-hmm. And there are other shows that do that. As far as I know, none of them, at least none of the well-known ones, do it live, which makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. And for me, it makes it makes for a, more, a different show, more extemporaneous show. Yeah, it's more fun, mm-hmm. and, and that's not just coming from me. That's coming from folks that that listen to it. Like it, the vibe on it's very different. Yeah, and one of the reasons why is because I actually started it off as a, a as a morning show, mm-hmm. a, a streaming station in San Francisco before it was on Radio Note. Okay, and so that's that, about the only thing. <laughs> that's held true since the beginning has been the vibe because I used to play more music. It's not that I'd have bits necessarily, but you know, there'd be, there'd be repeated things and things along those lines. And then I gradually kind of turned more into long form interviews that were interviews, but also discussion. Yeah. And, and I say that because I live the life too. Like I tour, I make records, I wow. do it way less than some, but way more than others. Right. And so, you know, I'm in this weird kind of middle ground right? where I have a certain amount of insights that when I have folks on, it's not going to be the same as if they're just talking to like some dude with a USB microphone that has never lived that life. Like you can kind of skip past some of like, 
<clears throat> yeah, those assholes, pieces of shit. <laughs> Not that Bob there's anything here. wrong with that, of course. But, uh, <laughs> no, but but I mean, just like having having the perspective of being someone that does make records and that does tour and stuff like that. Right. It's led to a different kind of conversation. Like there's a different comfort level, especially. I find that when you get people talking and and people are comfortable, you get a deeper conversation, even if it's not what you're shooting. Absolutely. And I yeah. know you guys do the same thing because you say it's also a discussion show as well, which I agree. And you can get into fascinating, bizarre digressions. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a for instance, I don't remember what the question was. Like you asked me something and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I, don't I don't either. But it doesn't but matter. I, it's fine. The stream yeah. of consciousness thing is that's fun to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were that's, just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, right. It's term. So you so you asked you asked about Protonic. Yes. So it's been doing it for about six years. Mm-hmm. And Kona Neutron's Secret Friends had a bunch of tour dates and we had to cancel them like every other freaking band in the <clears throat> history of mankind. Yeah. And that doesn't make a unique story or anything along those lines. But what I was trying to do is like, well, I'm gonna be stuck at home. There's only so much I can do with recording demos or whatever. Like, what can I do? I'm like, well, I'm set up to do the show when everybody's home. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it started off being like, oh, I'll just do a couple episodes this week. Now, I always do the show live. So, I, I do the show live and podcast it. And then last week, I was like, well, why don't I do an episode every day of the week? And then that went well. And then I was like, oh, why don't I do, you know, two episodes on the day it's actually supposed to be on? And it's just kind of gradually a scope and scale has, has gone. So, I'm basically doing the show every day now. Wow. And the fascinating thing about that is that the show has been around long enough that for the niche that I represent, <laughs> It's a known, it's a somewhat known commodity, mm-hmm. right? right. Like, like, like if you see, you know, Billy Gould from Faith No More and Mark Lanigan from Screaming Trees and Queens of Stone Age have been on the show and you see that like almost everybody from the Melvins has been on. If you see that all these different awesome like indie artists have been on, you're more likely to be like, oh yeah, sure. Right. What am I doing? Watching Netflix? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. This sounds like more fun. And then people have a good experience with it. And, and so for instance, one of my favorite bands of all time is Debo. Yeah. And I just... Just had Jerry Casali mm-hmm. of Devo, founding member of Devo, oh, wow. on Friday. Oh wow! Complete mind blower because I, I was like, "Wow, this is like one of my favorite bands of all time." Like, helped shape my worldview. Mm. I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" So that was obviously fantastic yeah. and great opportunity. But on the converse side too, like also with the listeners, that it provides a place for people to be and be communal while they're listening mm-hmm. and then also have these discussions with people that are also dealing with the quarantine. Yeah. They're also dealing with things in this quarantine. Yeah. Yes. And like maybe they made some of your favorite records, but guess what? They're still people. They're still people and they're still the same in the same boat you are yeah. and they're trying to figure out like, you know, what to do with their day and that's kind of a fascinating thing to me and it's been really cool kind of seeing people get something out of it. Right. So I, I've, been, I've been busting my hump on that working overtime to put out a lot of these episodes Yeah. and People seem to be getting something out of it, so right on. Well, that's cool, man. Certainly. One of the things, too, is just when you get that sort of momentum, it's it's going to be nice when you've been doing it for a while. I mean, for, for us personally, we're just starting to come around to where we're getting – more repeat guests and, and friends coming back and things like that. And those are always sure. nicer and looser episodes. Our most recent with Adam was like that. You could tell the difference right, between right. the first episode and the last. Like, it's just a level of comfort's there. Like, you get the, the, the flow. Trust. Yeah, absolutely. Trust, yeah. Well, and I think, too, that it's like, I, we've always kind of cringed at the idea of interview, but, you know, when you're talking to somebody for the first time and you're exposing them to a new audience, you've got to talk about what they do. And it, it just comes uh, off as interviewee or clunky, but we prefer 
just conversations. Cause I think everybody's read the thousand articles about any band. They've heard the stories, everything else time and time again. Well, what were you thinking when you recorded this song? Well, you know, but they may not know what somebody thinks about, like you say, what's going on now. Right. And sometimes people, their most interesting stories are, are, are ones that people don't know to ask about. So if you're having a more open forum, it might present itself and you can get this story from somebody that's a really great story that nobody's ever asked before. Totally. Like I, I had, Dale Crover on my show, which I didn't for a really long time, not because I was trying not to have him on the show or whatever, but just because I was like, oh, it's like, I don't even know. Can, can, would I be able to like have a like a, a good episode with him? Like, I feel like I'm you know too close to the subject. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, that's stupid. Right. That's dumb. There's, I mean, that guy's done so much amazing stuff. And like, it'll actually probably be better because we do trust each other and we are friends. And I, and I think the episode turned out great. Like there was this one time we were, t- we were talking about Martin Atkins from PIL and also Pigface and yes. a bunch of other bands. Mm-hmm. He's been on our show. Yeah, we had him. Fascinating dude. Yep. Amazing dude. And great drummer. And we were talking about the Flowers of Romance. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into a conversation about PIL being an American bandstand, <laughs> uh, which is an amazing YouTube clip, I might add. Yes. Then that turned into a discussion about how when Ray Washam joined Ministry, they set up at the Melvin's practice space and like Dale had to like set up things for Ministry oh, wow. <laughs> to, to try out Ray <laughs> Washam. From Scratch Acid and oh god, and like he played with Helios Creed and like uh he was in uh with Steve Albini with the unfortunately named but awesome band Rape Man. <laughs> oh yeah, love Rape Man. And what's funny about that is I had Ray Washam on first year of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just because I was like, oh, I, you know, I want to see what this dude's up to. Yeah. Yeah. And like just genuinely curious because he was always such an interesting drummer. And from my perspective, he just disappeared completely. Right. That, and that was an interesting episode that for me filled a void where it was the kind of thing I would like to hear as a listener. Right. But nobody was doing and that's kind of where I always thought the niche of Proton Controversial should be. But what's funny about that is since I was just, you know, riffing with Dale about like whatever the hell we were talking about, I realized like after the show, I was like, oh, I heard that story, but I heard it from Ray Washam six years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard I heard his end of it. And I was like, oh, how funny. Like that's like Rashomon effect, yeah. I think is what they call that, right? Like anyway, I, I constantly kind of self-concern myself when I have people on of like trying not to repeat things that have been covered. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's also like really hard. Yeah, it's inevitable. Right. Yeah. And the people that I have on that are repeat guests are usually people that are incredibly smart and witty and interesting. So it's, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a freaking podcast, guys. Yeah. People have tracks in their mind of uh, just different things they go to. Like when they're reminded of something, they have a story for that. They have a go-to for that. It's hard to fight that sometimes and come up with different things to say about it. It's just human nature. Right. Especially for us. Yeah. Because I, I think we've already, we've been doing this a year and every now and I'll be like, oh, we've told that story just between us and how right. many times do we want to try to avoid doing that? Yeah. But sometimes you need to be able to tell that story to whoever you're talking to at the time because they might not know it and it might add some yeah. something to the moment to have that story shared. So there's like that back and forth in my mind anyway. Yeah. Like, do I want to go there? Or, Man, I've already gone there a few times. Yeah. Do I want to go there again? Reuse that analogy or metaphor. Or- yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Joe Rogan does it all the fucking time. Like <laughs> Totally. And and like and there there are people that people that do it and it becomes like a trope as well. Like Mark Marin asking who you guys are. Right. Right. Like that's like it's like, oh, he's doing it. Take a drink, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I could certainly come up with some undetermined drinking games. Yep. <laughs> oh no, John sure. talked about his guitars. Yeah. 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 Take a drink. Take a drink. Yeah. <laughs> every every time I say ergo. 
Yeah. I used to hate, I used to get really mad at myself when I said folks. I don't know why, but it used to oh, yeah. totally irritate me. And then I was like, you know what? That's dumb. Nobody else cares about this. <laughs> so I got over it. Right. I still, I still get really mad at myself for doing ums and uhs. Oh, man. Yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. California born and raised. <laughs> I try and find a balance when I'm like, when I'm editing, a few of them are okay. But if, if it's overboard with the ums and likes, then I have to start pulling them out. Yeah. Because it becomes a distraction. Usually, though, I'm thinking about something, though, and I'm really processing it at that time. Right. And that's why, you know, coming out. It's- no, and I don't get mad that it happens. But I think there are times where it, it can become a distraction if you're not careful with it. Right. Fortunately, then that's part of what the beauty of being able to record it and then put it out later is. Right. Sometimes sometimes there's even almost like a musicality to it, Mm -hmm. like the way someone will pause in a certain way. Just their pattern of speech. Yeah, yeah. And it's fine. Like I said, I mean, I live in Wisconsin, but I'm California born and raised. And, you know, I unironically use the word rad all the time. Awesome. There's all kinds of, you know, (laughs) and it's not like something like if somebody kind of side eyes me on, I'm like, what? (laughs) It's part of who I am. And then it doesn't bother me at all because that's me. But sometimes with the you're pausing for a thought. Yes. And there's a an um or uh or something that can, that that annoys me sometimes because I feel like I've gotten past that. But I feel like if I get lazy or if I'm working on like a couple threads in my head when I'm talking to someone, I'll sometimes do it and it, it annoys me. It's sort of a vamp in a way. Okay, I can throw this out there while I'm clarifying right. my thought. And what I'm trying to get better yeah. at is just being okay with the silence, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. Like, I mean, if it's yeah. not necessarily like a 20 second thing of silence, right? No, <laughs> but, but leaving a little room for the Lord, as they say, <laughs> I think there's something to that too. Like my job, I I'm a therapist and I've kind of learned, and that's like when you're in school for that, that's one thing that they kind of talk about and people are like afraid of the silence. Sure. Like, what do you do? And usually when there's a silence, you're about to get something really interesting out of someone. Totally. And and since we're going real deep on the podcast stuff, what I'll say is there's other podcasts that do similar things to mine that are arguably bigger. And some of them rely on more canned questions, which annoy me because I think it's kind of like that's something you should do if you're like when you're a beginner, like when you're just starting off and you don't don't know what you're doing. But like sometimes it's like you you can do better than that for for my personal metric. It's a pet peeve. Right. But I do have one thing that developed and it happened very naturally. I don't know, about 60, 70 episodes ago. I can't remember exactly. I just started asking people because I started thinking about what the show was, right? Not not in like, you know, a startling moment of self-awareness on WeWay, but just like, what is this show offer? <laughs> right. What does it do? And what I basically decided on was it's it's people explaining what they do and why they do it. So I just literally started asking the question at the very end, why do you do what you do? And what mm. I found is usually the initial answer is somewhat along the same line of, oh, I don't know, because I don't know anything better. But what comes after Mm -hmm. that is fascinating and it varies a ton from person to person. Sometimes you get like some crazy, like just personal allegory uh, that was like completely off kilter from the rest of the entire discussion. Um, You know, sometimes it like ties into like a greater worldview, but it puts people in a headspace to think about that, which is something that they just spent like an hour and a half or whatever (laughs) rattling on about. And then to actually think about like why they do it, you get some really interesting things. And that's a nice way to close it out because that kind of fits into the theme of like what it is, which I, again, didn't really know until I knew myself. And it became something that 
I really like doing because I just like hearing how people answer mm-hmm. because there's usually that initial quick, sharp, like, ha ha ha, you know, Arby's isn't hiring, you know, like whatever funny answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And then uh, there's like the more like deep and interesting answer. And every once in a while, someone will have something super rad and succinct for both of it. But it's all it's usually something I'll, I'll often get a message afterwards. Like, you know, no one's ever asked me. Right. <laughs> because yeah. you get into this idea of like asking all the banal minutia of this, that and the other. But yeah, just the idea that no one's ever just articulated that question all out. Right. A lot of people haven't answered that for themselves. Maybe they don't even know. Maybe they haven't thought about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Oh, oh, shit. I've done things for many years. I didn't know why I was doing them. <laughs> Other than, yeah, it was the status quo and, you yeah. know, I, I don't know. And, and we will, you know, and, and I'm sure you've experienced it too. Every now and then you'll get like this level of introspection that I don't think anyone was expecting. Right. Mm-hmm. And it can be really fascinating. And some of them, you know, we've had some that are just like, ah, who went deeper than I expected on that one. I don't even know if I can listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Man. I got to process all of that. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, in the, in the human condition is so different for everybody. And that's what I find interesting. And one thing we learned kind of early on doing the show was just that the, I guess the level of celebrity or celebrity get doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is interesting or a good conversation. <laughs> oh, <man>. So true. <laughs> We run into so many people who are extremely talented who just can't carry on a conversation with other people who are just other friends of ours. Like, oh man, he's a great guy to talk to. Yeah, just effortless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just effortless in, in their, their great episodes. Yeah, and, so, and sometimes, sometimes you have someone like, all right, this is going to be great. And you, you get going, it's like, oh man, it's only been five minutes, huh? Uh, how am I going to carry this? <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Yeah, yeah. You can tell. Work for it. You can tell when you're watching the counter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So, So, uh, how about that local sports team? These are not the pauses we're looking for. (laughs) Right, exactly. When we talked about leaving room, we didn't mean that. (laughs) (laughs) So, ultimately, for me, doing a lot of these protonic reversal episodes has been great because even though we had the protons and electrons compilation come out not that long ago and we did do some touring on it, we were expecting to be able to do lots more. And that's just ain't happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, flat out. Like, but that's not just us. That's everyone. Yeah. So Tony brought up a good point too that when all this is over, it may not be for a long time, but I think people are really going to appreciate live music again. Like, there's going to be yeah a, a window of time where people are just, oh my god, I'm so happy to that this has happened. Oh yeah, yeah. And and then because it's human yeah. nature, that will fade, and people will take it for granted again. But. <laughs> And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm thinking, I can see it anyway, you know, and there's this part of me that's like, I think this is going to happen. Like, we're also going to see some really good shit come out because people have the time to sit down and think about it and really work stuff out right. <laughs> instead of feeling rushed to put out a product sometimes. Yeah. I kind of worry, though, about just art imitating life and, and the fact that everything is so stagnant for everyone that it's like, this is one I wrote called My Windowsill. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like super, right. either the super introspective um, Bon Iver or whatever, <laughs> with all these people playing guitar at their webcam, uh, or right. or mm-hmm. worse, like the concept record about COVID nineteen, which is like, oh, please don't do that, please right. don't. Oh, the last yeah. thing I want to hear about, <laughs> or somewhere in between, like this one's called feeding yeah, the cat. Yeah, <laughs> Right. It's about feeding my cat. He likes to be fed. <laughs> Deep meaning there. But yeah, I, I think it's nice that we're getting to the point where we're trying to speculate what's going to happen when this is all over. But it was like, what's your first plan when this is what? Well, yeah, it's, it's like what people would do with sports teams, like for like, oh, what's the next season going to be like? Right. But it's like for literally everything. 
Yeah, for literally life. And you know what? You were wrong about your sports team last <laughs> right, time. Exactly. So yeah. you're probably wrong about your favorite your favorite art and media and music too. I, I mean, for us, I can I can I can flat out tell you because we already recorded the new record back last January. Mm. Though protons and electrons just ostensibly came out in like whatever September or October, but we already have a new new record that we tracked January of last year. That's just waiting in the pipe. Like it's mixed. It seems to be mastered. And that record is a concept record about depression and mental health. So <clears throat> that's actually somewhat poignant and, and timely. Timely. <laughs> right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but it doesn't have any quarantine songs. There's no songs about uh, social distancing no. or anything. Well, I mean, we, we found that talking to a lot of people lately that it's just, ooh, so many of these things fit. Mm-hmm. And so many things. I, we're all humans. We're reacting to this in a human way. You're going to find tie-ins all over the place. Yeah. Just the way that everybody was able to create a quarantine playlist in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, touch me, I'm sick. Right. Like a hundred songs immediately. It's it's all part of it. That's the thing that I worry about is just that we're going to have those kind of mundane parts of people trying too hard to create something. Hmm. Trying to force it or something along those lines. Force it. Right. Good way to put it. I hope that doesn't happen necessarily. I'm sure there'll be some of that too. Yeah. It's a good time to create when you've got the downtime, but I'm just, like I said, I'm a firm believer that art imitates life in a lot of cases. And, you know, I mean, look at the blues. Got to have some shit happen to you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And if what's happening to you is, is Tiger King. Yep. Yeah. How many, how many, how many records are we going to hear about the goddamn Tiger King? <laughs> which is, which. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. oh yeah. yeah. But then I always want music and media and and artists to be smarter, and I'm usually disappointed uh, <laughs> in, in that way because <laughs> I, I I mean I'm not one to even write about like love songs or like traditional mm-hmm. things that you know artists are meant to write about because yeah. I feel like well there's already plenty of people that are very qualified that have written a lot of great songs about that mm-hmm. like I'd rather sing about like weird more esoteric subject matter although I, I did realize that there's at least three songs that are basically people or things or are different situations that just annoy me <laughs> on the protons and electrons where it's like oh okay i basically annoyed at everything all right. all right the idea being that there's kind of deeper concepts at work within the music i mean i don't know if you guys know or, or not but the like the second record is a concept record about Hannibal Lecter and the world around him huh but that's not immediately apparent unless, like, you are – if you know those books, <laughs> right. if you know the uh, those movies. Cannibal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you'd be like, is this – I mean, because there's, so, there's a song called Eat the Rude, when that's pretty much like, you know, it's like, wait, is this song literally about eating people? I was like, well, it's about eating rude people. <laughs> yeah. they have a cup and that comes from the uh, what I call the planet of the ape school of, of things being exactly what they say they are mm-hmm. you know it's not song about eating rude people it's called eat the rude right <laughs> Right. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of commitment to the bit like i don't like kind of nudge wink self-awareness about things right like that actually bums me yeah. out frankly devo was fantastic with that like when they did they're like just incisive and cutting social commentary yeah it wasn't like hey guys check out what we're doing it was it was you know this operates on like a few different levels and like 
Like they would have these bouncy, happy songs and you like listen to what it's actually about. You're like, Oh my God, that's oh, shit. Yeah. horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I always take a lot of influence from that. Oh yeah. You know, when we're talking about things along those lines and, and it doesn't mean they can't do allegory allegory. Like there's a song we have called avid fan off that record. Mm-hmm. That's meant to be a conversation between Hannibal Lecter and the great red dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis Dollarhide off of a, well, man, depending on, Either the movie Red Dragon or the movie Manhunter, I guess, depending on your age. Or literacy. <laughs> and it's a correspondence <laughs> between serial killers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, it's a correspondence between serial killers. But I had somebody that got it was like, oh, no, that's that's like correspondence between artists, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. yes, right. it is. Because in a lot of ways, being an yeah. artist can feel sure. like being a serial killer because you're doing something outside society. Oh, sure. You're doing something that has its own like set of rules and values. But then also there's people, there's more accomplished serial killers. So it's amazing that Buzz Osborne of, of Melvin's is on that track doing backup vocals as well. So it was great that, uh, first of all, that he agreed to do it at all. Sure. But of the sure. two songs he's on, that that's one of them. Because for me, that was always like, a because not everybody even cares about lyrics, frankly, especially in, in loud, heavy music. But the fact that we had, you know, somebody picked up on that, I was like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, podcasts are very much the same way, but sometimes it feels like you're just throwing stuff out there and you're like, is anybody getting any what I'm throwing out there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, to combine two points, I have told this story before, but it's a, a one thing a about being on the nose. <laughs> yeah. I will. One thing about being on the nose, like one of my favorite stories is just reading a music review of um, Faith No More's song, uh, Cuckoo for Kaka. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. and somebody was like, oh, it's about drug addiction and, and cocaine and, you know, it's hard and it's smooth and it's white, you know, and it's like all these things. And it spoke to me on my addiction and everything else. And then the, the guy's comment below that on lyricsmeanings.com was like, nope, it's about licking toilets. <laughs> 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 I just left it at that. And I was like, my moment, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's absolutely true. It is about licking toilets. Yeah. It's nothing. It's about toilets. Yeah. Time. I was a theater major, and I can't remember for the life of me who this quote was from, but it was a writer, and he said something to the effect of, I'm always glad when I finish writing something so I can find out from other people what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's, so you bring, you guys bring up an important point, because I feel like there's a couple schools of thought with the whole song meaning thing like Kurt Cobain's a perfect example of someone that's like you know what did he say like mm-hmm. fill out your own crossword puzzle or something along those lines which okay cool mm-hmm. but I'm very much of the no it means this <laughs> this is what it means uh, yeah. <laughs> it, mean, it, mean, it means this because I yeah. often and one of the reasons why is because uh, I often write to theme right. meaning that I'll decide what the song's about based on usually by the title mm-hmm and go from there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I was, I'll give a couple examples because the, the the protons and electrons stuff was conceived and released as singles, and then collected as a compilation afterwards for people to just either don't give a flying fig about seven inches or you know can't be bothered until mm-hmm. there's like one thing to click on. Right. First song on the record is a litany of grievances. Mm-hmm. That's and that's basically just a fancy ass way of saying you have a list of complaints about something. But mm-hmm. it's a litany of grievances. Mm-hmm. And what I decided with that I was because uh, I just really liked the, I liked the way that those words sounded together. Yeah. And then I decided I was like, oh, this is going to be a conversation about real or perceived ills between two parties, and that's what it'll be. Like one will be the verses, and one one will be the choruses. And then after that, it was just pop 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 easy. It just like went went right off. Mm-hmm. There was a song called Recant that we have. Mm-hmm. 
I was thinking about the concept of like heretical concepts, like uh, you know, Greek philosophers and stuff, like you know, different heresies, like <sighs> things that and things that were considered heretical that later became commonplace, right, and became accepted truth, but at the time they were considered heresies, right. The earth is round. Right, uh, right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the, <laughs> the world literally doesn't, you know, it isn't held up by a dragon or, you know, whatever. Like these things that are considered like heresies that are now just considered acceptable consequences, acceptable um, science fact. Mm-hmm. And if you can apply that to a lot of different things and just the idea of, of the human nature behind hive minding on people as like a mob mm-hmm. and being like, no, that's not what it is. And like, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> like forcefully trying to make people change their opinions so they don't hear like an unpleasant truth. Yeah. And, and like, and it was just like, boom, just pop, 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 just wrote it all out. It was, it was easy. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a good driving song. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say my own stuff's awesome, but I mean, it's awesome that that is in a song that's, it's very driving. Like it, it, it's, it's pretty raucous. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that yeah. kind of stuff makes me happy because it makes, it keeps me engaged with the process and, and makes me uh, excited to move forward with it. Well, I think too, when I hear a lot of artists say something like, you know, well, you know, just take the song for whatever meaning you think is there and apply it to your life. And I think, I think a lot of them are dialing it in. But I think, yeah, you know what? I think they write weak shit. They, they kind of give up. Yeah, yeah, I think. Or they're just so tired of fighting the whole idea that it's like, no, this is what it's about. And so, no, it's not. And you know, other people telling them what their music is. And they're just like, you know, well, take it or leave it. Here's what right. I think there's also an element of, you know, sometimes people come up with some pretty interesting stuff and you kind of like, well, yeah, I like that, you know, or maybe there was a bit of that in there and I didn't even recognize it at the time. And that can be awesome. That can be totally amazing. But there's that whole school thought that's the the misheard things as funnier than they are. Like the excuse me while I kiss this guy, you know, uh, right. There's a bathroom on the right. <laughs> Bingo Jet had a line on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wrapped up like a douche. I can see clearly now Lorraine is gone. <laughs> Kicking your cat all over the place. There's plenty of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I think everyone kind of wants to feel like they're, I don't know, like a Leonard Cohen or, or someone that mm-hmm. could have their stuff interpreted in lots of different ways. And that's fine. And, and those people that do write like that and can have that universal consent for people, <clears throat> that's awesome. But I mean, I, I don't think you should do a, put a square peg in a round hole either. You know, like I've, right. I'm not really that interested in that. Like, you know, you, you posted up the Jilted Dragon video earlier, which is great. Mm-hmm. And that song is literally, well, it's about two things. So one of one of them is Smog the Dragon from The Hobbit. <clears throat> it's a song from his point of view. <laughs> okay. He's basically just he's super annoyed because there's all these freaking villagers like pestering him and bothering him, and he's just trying to sleep on his money and like you know not why is everyone got to be a dick about it? Right. Like from his perspective, he's just constantly being pestered by the by the villagers and then the, the this hobbit and like you know everyone's just up in his grill about stuff and like god it's so obnoxious right so yet another song about being annoyed by things but also 
we have two cats and one of them icky the star of the jilted dragon video is a long hair cat yes <laughs> and he not only bears more than a passing resemblance to toothless the dragon from the how to train your dragon movies <laughs> right he does but yeah. he kind of moves like him too and he'd he'll just do this uh-huh. thing where if you just you know he, he's just sitting nicely in your lap and if you like shift your weight or something he just doesn't like it and he gets all pissed off and like dashes away mm-hmm. and so i just kind of slam those two things together mm-hmm. and that became the song jilted dragon and then when we shot the, the video with rick from the poster children directing it he's, mm-hmm. he's like well what's the song about and I, and I told him he's like that's great i've got a great idea and so that, that was all his conception that i literally get a dragon costume from the internet right. and force him to wear the costume and <laughs> for the purposes of taking pictures and putting them on the internet, right? Cat pictures, aka the economy that the entire mm. internet is based on, apparently. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and he just and, and he decides to take revenge. He takes revenge on me, but he takes revenge in a more like subtle way, where it's gradually escalating. Like he pees on my show clothes. He like sabotages the amplifier. <laughs> like he overflows the toilet right. <laughs> until, of course, at the very end. Spoiler alert: He uh, leaves the gas on, and and the the house explodes. <laughs> but the whole idea behind it was was just like I I was, I was thinking about. I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I have I and I love the source material, but I have not seen the movies of the hobbit oh yeah but i like the story and i was always fascinated by the smog the dragon part of just like what's that guy's life like like you know like how does he <laughs> right like how does he take in all of this like obviously he's just sort of like he's not necessarily as a resting state evil like from his perspective like he's just you know well until and token gives him a voice and right right mm-hmm. and, and he, personality. he's got a point of view and so i just slammed those things, two things together and who the fuck else is going to be writing a song about this stuff you know nobody literally nobody <laughs> <laughs> i love those kinds of ideas though like i really like those perspective ideas and stories like thinking of even like literature are you familiar with like rosencrantz and goldenstern oh, are dead absolutely i love yeah. that yeah Oh my God! What's it like for those two dudes? And totally. you know, so we get these to hear two Hamlet. very minor characters within the actual play, and then like they they come in and they come out, and then like to have like the expanded story of well, and also I assume that I assume you see in the movie as well, right? Yeah, it's really Great. good. Like the game of questions stuff, like it's, it's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. It's Tom Stoppard, I think, uh, wrote that. It's really, really witty. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I, I, I really enjoy that. I wrote a story about the, the telling of the story of Adam and Eve from the perspective of the snake. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> See, that's great because I'm a I'm a big fan of Rashomon effect, mm-hmm. and that's something where like mm-hmm. things, different events unfold. They have different meanings for different people within the tableau, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's something that you know. I believe we, we exist in a largely subjective societies with, especially these days, with everybody platform. I agree. Subjectivism would say that relativism towards other human beings and what they feel or see or how they perceive things, which should be something that everyone's interested in. Right. I think there, there tends to be this idea that there's like a, this objective truth of which there's very little actual objective truth in uh, You're right. society. Yeah. You know, there, there's objective fact for sure. Right. And I found just like as a therapist, man, you can hear some horrendous stories, some things that people have done in their lives and think, holy shit, what an awful person. <laughs> right. And then you get to know them and you find out, oh my god how do they not do worse yeah 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 like when you get all the backstory and you see where they're coming from and Mm -hmm. heavy stuff yeah it is lots of pauses in those sessions (laughs) right (laughs) just this (laughs) 
Keep him going. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> yeah. You get really good at like keeping a straight face through lots of stuff. Oh, I can't imagine. It's got to be difficult. I mean, that all, it all ties back into the conversation. And I mean, that's one thing that it kind of irritates me about the podcast algorithm or you just i don't even know if we're on that subject anymore but you know having to classify ourselves with different platforms is like what kind of podcast are you oh like, sure yeah yeah oh, god damn you know uh, music are you this? Right. i don't know it's interesting conversation is on here ultimately yeah that's i mean that's what we keep aiming for but there is that um it used to be a blog category it was everything slash nothing <laughs> I think they should bring that back. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. What kind of podcast is it? It's an everything nothing podcast. And that sounds that right. sounds cool. That's it's like, oh, what is that? That sounds awesome. What does that mean? Or the Seinfeld descriptor. Right. Right. <laughs> but how do you land well, on Well, it's not a podcast nothing. about nothing. Well, and that happens with music. <laughs> What's the first thing everybody yeah. wants to know is oh, what kind of music is it? Right. Okay. That depends on where you're coming from yeah like for me you know Kona neutron the secret friends is a rock band a big weird rock band. yeah for someone that thinks rock bands are like the national or something that's gonna sound like it's coming from freaking pluto mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> really bizarre sounding but for someone whose favorite bands are like Marsbo or <laughs> or whatever right you know it, it's gonna mean different things to different people and <clears throat> having reviewed records uh, a lot way back when and having worked in a record store and all that like i feel like i've got a better handle on it than, than most do but i found that what a lot of people do in bands that they describe music is they keep it really general and if you're if you're keeping it super general you're not actually saying it right because the idea is you you don't want to say the wrong thing and have people like sell it short mm-hmm. well it's better to say something that's like not quite accurate than to be too vague because vague is to say nothing right so i've, I've actually changed my mindset about this and as, as fun as it is to like make up your own genre uh you know portmanteau words together or something along those lines i'll usually just say it's a big weird rock band right and leave it at that. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. like just even in conversation, getting to know people. I really hate the question of what kind of music do you listen to? I don't like that. Uh, yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> at the same time, like for me, that's a really important way to get to know somebody. That's a really valuable way. Like, but you can also ask it just more simply, what do you like to listen to? That's a much better question. Yeah. Yep. And it's sort of like, uh, it's like the difference between asking someone, you know, tell me everything you know. To saying, hey, I'm really interested in falconry. Do you know anything about that? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, and like, it may be like, yeah. oh, it just so happens that, you know, I was a, I was a falconer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why falconry is what I went with, <laughs> by the way. It's just, that's just what I went, what I went, I went with. I think of the most esoteric <laughs> subject I could think of. But to just say like, tell me everything you know, when you really want to know, do you know anything about falconry? Right. Is an absurd question. And, and it's too general. Right. And I think when you get too general, you lose meaning, but you also, put the onus uh, and burden on the answer to try to divine your meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, it's, it's all about perspective. That's one thing I think that's okay about social media. And one thing I enjoy about it is just instead of having to, I mean, God, remember the days when we used to have to read like Circus Magazine? Oh yeah, to try to figure out what a band sounded like. Sure, and, you know, yeah. you couldn't find out until you until you read it. Now you can just be like, just click the link. Yeah. You know, listen. 
here it is. Okay. Boop, boop. And that's that's a nice thing. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Because like one example, I was I was talking to my my nephew earlier just about uh, about your music. Mm-hmm. He was like, okay, so you know what's it like? And I was like, well, it's a little weird. It's good though. In that, but I sent him a link, and he's like, John, he's like, by your standards, this is not weird. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Because he knows I listen to like you know the Mars Volta and like uh, you know Naked City. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. If you if you if you listen to Naked City, Coda Neutron, the Secret Friends is not a weird band. <laughs> it's not a weird band. It's, it's exactly it's, what he it's, says. It's, like that's not weird. I mean, it may as well be Queen's Clearwater Revival compared to Naked City. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And I say that as a fan of Queen's Clearwater Revival. Don't get me wrong. Sure. Or or knowing that like you know. Toshika side produces it's like you know it, it's still you just, you just gotta listen to it just listen to it and it's, it's nice that we can share those things well and something i like talking about on protonic with folks is that how it, it used to be that you know i would literally just buy a record based on the record cover i'd be like oh that looks cool mm-hmm. i wonder what that sounds like and like but because you had no way of knowing mm-hmm. you didn't have any way to like preview it Ooh. i mean until they started doing like preview stations and stuff right. like that do I like the song titles? Is the album title good? Huh. Yeah, 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 exactly. You had all this, like, these ancillary aspects to the music that you had to, like, make your own determination based on your own internal logic and metric. And that's fascinating to me because I think, as you mentioned now, like, you can just, like, click, click. Oh, it sounds like this. Okay, well, actually, this other record's better. You know, like, what, like, you can just learn everything there is to know in the space of, you know, like a half hour. Right. You go on the Wikipedia page, find out, like, you know, oh, this one sounds different because they had a lineup change or whatever. And there's some a lot of advantages to that. I think one thing that kind of gets lost, at least in my opinion, is that when we have to work to get to know an artist or a song or a band or whatever, yeah, we're going to give it a little bit more of a chance and we're going to take a little bit more time. Like if I spend my money to buy this album that I wasn't sure it was a gamble, I'm going to try you know, to get into this. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a few spin. And, you know, we live in a world like now, if I listen to something and I don't like it, okay, I don't have to listen to that anymore. I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Right. I, I try to, to force myself, to discipline myself to like give them, a, you know, make sure I check out different eras, make sure I check out two or three different tracks before I settle on that. Right. Just just because the instant gratification and everything is so accessible and it's so, you almost feel guilty. Right. Uh, God, I do. I mean, I, I buy music all the time just out of guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, oh my God, I enjoyed that song for free too many times. I better buy the record, and help right. it, which pisses my wife off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my favorite artists are ones that if I would have just like given them one listen and not decided to invest a little bit, I probably wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be counting them as one of my favorite artists. I can think of several, you know, they have to grow sometimes you have to develop that relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. Put in the work. What I would say with that is that there are some bands that you listen to it one time and you get it immediately and either in or you're out, mm-hmm. you know, and like a, my, right. my example I use for that is like the Ramones first record. Mm-hmm. I heard like, you know, first, first song of the first record. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, huh. All right. Yeah. And then like, I was like, and then boom is immediately yeah. in the second one. I was like, Oh, Oh, it's just more, more of that. Okay. And I was fully into it, but I definitely, as you, as you mentioned, wanted to kind of 
okay, this is interesting. Let's hear it again. Right. You know, like let's go right. back and, right. and hear it again. Yeah. But it, it was like, it wasn't like I <laughs> didn't understand it. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very easy to understand. Yeah. But then like, look at a band like King Crimson or something. Like the first right. time I heard it, I'm like, uh, yeah, exactly. like, we get it. You're good players. And then like, I was super annoyed by it. Like I was not into <laughs> it like at all. I was like, Ugh, annoying. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm coming at it from like a punk rocker place. Uh, but then like, right. you know, friend of mine was like, you know what? You really should listen to like these songs. I, I think you'd really like it. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. So I check it out and I'm like, oh man, this, this actually kind of slaps. This, this is pretty good. Right. And then that made right. me sort of rethink my initial preconception about it. <laughs> and I put in the work, as you said, right. to kind of find right. like, oh, there's yeah, actually okay. a bunch of King Crimson I like. And you know what? There's some pretty horse crap King Crimson too, but, but it's okay because overall an aggregate total, like I could say I like King Crimson. So speaking of regular yeah. questions and having to earn a respect for an artist, any uh, Tom Waits stories and encounters, anything like that? I wish, man. <laughs> so that he he lives in uh, North Bay. He lives in he lives in Petaluma. So some friends of mine who play in a band called Mogs, the Mogs. Mm-hmm. They live up there too, and they have like seen him at like you know the Whole Foods uh-huh. <laughs> and things along yeah. those lines, but they've never engaged. Wow! And yeah. I would just God, I would love that so much because Tom Waits is, is mm-hmm. well not secret, but like yeah, one of my favorite artists for sure. Mm-hmm. And talk about mm-hmm. someone that just you know follows his own compass, right? And his right. own and his own metric, you know, like right. that guy just all respect but he's a very he's a pretty private dude what i think it's i will say this i'll I'll pivot this into a tom Waits story that i have that is that is not mine okay but some friends saw him at the airport at sfo i believe and he was there with his kids Mm -hmm. just hanging out like you know waiting waiting to for the plane to board like everyone else and he I can't remember the exact details, but he did some Tom Waits style aphorism, you know, fill in the blank here. Mm-hmm. And like his son just could not have been more annoyed with him. Like in the way, <laughs> like, like, and like, just like was like visible look of disgust and then put his headphones on. So he didn't have to listen to his dad anymore. And like, meanwhile, all of us like would be like, Oh my God, I would just love to hear like an actual honest to goodness, Tom Waits aphorism in real life, even if it was, you know, right. but like his, this is just a dad and his son and the dad was being annoying to his son. Yeah. And that I think that's so freaking awesome and adorable yeah. and yeah. Kind of hilarious. And we're certainly fans, but it's not like we we tell cut them or you just for a while there, we had a run where it seemed like every guest we had had some sort of Tom Waits story. I really wish I did. I mean, I, I saw him play one time in Oakland and it was freaking badass. And uh, yeah, that's it. But I, I got, I got, you know, I'm one degree of Kona Neutron away from people that live in the same city with them. There was a band we played with when we were in the Bay Area last, and we played at Winter's Tavern in Pacifica, and the other band had just recorded their first record, and they had uh, just recorded uh, up in the North Bay, and they they had some kind of interesting, well, just like Tom Waits sightings, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like He was like around around in the area, and I was like, oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) I shouldn't should be careful about this, but I was, I thought they were going to be a better band. <laughs> like they played, then they played. I was like, no, oh, all right. <laughs> well, maybe if you'd have given them a few more listens, you just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was it. Yeah. Maybe I was being too judgmental, but it's funny. You mentioned that because that was the whole thing with protons and electrons is all the songs were conceived 
as singles mm-hmm. a- as such whatever they were doing whether they're poppy songs heavy songs weird songs noisy songs doesn't matter whatever they were doing they kind of had to get in mm-hmm. get out like make your make your point do your thing right and like there's like and one of the reasons why is because there's a hard limit to what you can put on a seven inch and also by nature yeah. of it being singles is they should be singles. Like, you know, as much as think they actually released won't get fooled again as a single, but it's like, Christ, that song's like eight minutes long or something. You know, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> yeah. It's great, but wrap it up. <laughs> you were talking about griddle earlier. They, they're a prime example. I tell you, what, I mean, I, I love griddle. I loved it. I wasn't turned on to them until recently. John Axtell from uh psychophonicopus uh, notorious mm-hmm. sent me a link one day and it was just kind of a play in words. Cause I was like sick and he sent me a, a gag order side a, cause I've been throwing <laughs> up and it was just kind of a funny thing. Right. But you know, I listened to that and loved it, but I tell you what, that album, if, if somebody sends you the wrong track on that album, you can be like, this is not looking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Too much jazz or whatever. You know, and then the next one, the next track just slays and it's uh, got some monster guitar and, and shit. And it's like, yeah, well, depending on what you're into, I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. So I like the whole thing, but I can see a lot of people, if I sent them that album, just hearing like maybe the first minute, if they weren't inclined to give it, Sure, because because that's human nature is to like make like a snap yeah. judgment. And like it's something where I feel that that is a net drag on bands that are maybe more eclectic oh, absolutely. than what I do. Not, not to say that like I, I'm necessarily the Ramones here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, there there are bands that, that I think, yeah, like just like what you say, that if you play them the wrong track, they'd be like, I don't like this. This is yep. BS. Come on. Sure. <laughs> And then you blame another track like, oh, this shreds. I like this a lot. Yep. It just goes to show you. I don't know what, but it goes to show you something. Yeah. I mean, for somebody to think that Easy Like Sunday Morning by Faith No More is a Faith No More song. I mean, to (laughs) me, it is. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Play that for somebody. And they're like, that's what that band's about? Yeah. Oh, do you see? But then, I mean, it's it's all subjective. But I do like bands who like to take risks like that. You know? Totally. Well, yeah, yeah. And so that's, you know, when it comes time for doing Secret Friends stuff, like, I'm super into that as well, because I don't feel like this is necessarily like, oh, this is a punk rock band or a noise rock mm-hmm. band or like a big classic rock yeah. band or whatever. Well, it's kind of all those things and none of those. Things. Right. Like it's a little bit coming from that punk rock post punk world, but they're with an honest and earnest love of things from classic rock, like, you know, like the Who or the Stones or the Beatles, but also television and the Ramones and then also like the Melvins and Fugazi and like, and all of those things put in as through this meat grinder uh, that I consider rock. Right. Like I mentioned earlier, my, my love for Devo and that I think comes through in some of the songs, but not in ways where most bands that would say they're influenced by Devo. Right would necessarily manifest it. Yeah. For me, it's sort of like, well, <laughs> I love Devo enough to not sound like them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I feel that way about a lot of my favorite bands sure. and, and like what, mm-hmm. what those lessons I take away from are, I've been lucky enough to have music both kick my ass and like bring me up from like the deepest, darkest depths for just really mm-hmm. have all these defining moments in my life where music helped me and help find my path in some cases, you know, all these, these different times and, and places. And the idea I've always looked at it is it's all a river. Mm-hmm. And so I've been getting mm-hmm. given this ass kicking not literally, by music my entire life. So anything I can do 
that's to give like a little bit of that back right for someone else and to pay that experience forward then i'm going to consider that a win i don't i'm not doing it for glory i'm certainly not doing it for fortune right yeah <laughs> you know there's there's people that like get into bands because they you know want to get girls or whatever along those lines okay fine and dandy but i'm doing this because i earnestly and honestly love music right yeah great you fucked it up for me man i was going to wrap it all up with why do you do what you do <laughs> and now <laughs> I pre-answered the question. What a dick. <laughs> God damn it. That would have been great. <laughs> and I guess that would be my answer, right? Because, right. yeah. Because I, 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 I do look at it like a river. And, you know, you could be a stone in the river. You could be a fish in the river. But it's it's all it's all moving along. And I'm I'm happy that what I've done has been able to be a, a part of people's journey and to, you know, help, help give some joy in a very rough and joyless world that we live in a lot of the times <laughs> that can be really difficult. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this next record is going to be even more so towards that because it's literally writing to theme towards concept of mental health and depression. Yeah. It's probably the first one in a really long time, especially since this band started that it's not that I struggled with it. It just took me a while to get through it. Right. Actually, yeah. I think that's understandable, but it's a heavy topic. And I wanted to approach it in a way that wanted to make a record about these topics without it sounding depressing. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like in this in the same way that and it's not that everything's like bouncy or whatever, but like, you know, like get the subject matter, be treated seriously. But much as I love Blackheart Procession, doesn't sound like Blackheart Procession. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as right. much as I like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah. all our go-to like sad records. Like I'm like, ah, oh, there's, there's mm-hmm. plenty of those. Like I, I'm not looking to do that, but balancing that and balancing the subject matter, which is pretty heavy, and sure comes from a place where I'm a high-functioning manic depressive. Like I'm coming from a position mm-hmm. of relative authority for this. Right. So. I didn't want to blow it, not just for me, but for all the other people that have these things to, uh, it, it's going to be something that hopefully will in some small way, de- help demystify that. Right. Provide right. people with it, with an avenue towards being like, well, this guy, cause a lot of people view me as like, Oh my God, he's relentless. Like, you know, he never stops. And they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, um, you know, I, I stole the line from a movie and it's not a great movie, <laughs> but the, the line is they're talking about mania and they're talking about manic depression. Mm-hmm. And the, the woman says, yeah, it's not the manic part you have to worry about. Right. And I always thought that that was such a cool line because it's, it's like, oh, that's super true. Because like a lot of times people will like you see me just like, you know, cranking them out, like busting loose singles and like episodes of the show and, you know, right. politics work, like whatever, like all the stuff I'm doing. Yeah. I'm pretty freaking busy because I, I like working, but yeah, what you don't see is when it's not like that. (laughs) And that does exist. I just don't, I'm not into making that public because I think that all that really does is unless you're in a, a state where you really need affirmation to move forward all you're doing is like trying to solicit empathy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of the way it's going to put it. It's just in a way, it's almost documentarian. Sure. Anybody can watch someone wail and cry, and we can all relate to that. Of course. But offering perspective right. on what that means 
might actually be more beneficial for a lot of people. Totally. I think you find that in a lot of like group therapy and, yep. and everything else is that people giving their perspective is much better. You know, mm-hmm. well, not better necessarily, but it's a different component than just crying on somebody's shoulder. Yeah, that's what we're hoping to do with the record. And I, I definitely spend a lot of time laboring o- over those questions. And it's interesting because social media, I think, does a thing where it celebrates the individual without serving any of the needs of the individual. So we have this kind of resting state of baseline sadness or worse, anhedonia, where people just don't feel anything. I mean, we talk about the new normal. That's become something that's become normalized. And and that's such a bummer. And I'm not saying I have a solution to it. (laughs) Believe me, if I if I did, I wouldn't wouldn't be uh, making records. I'd be (laughs) I'd be cashing checks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not a problem. It's going to be going away anytime soon. And it's something that it'd be nice to have a more frank discussion about mental health and what mental health is. Yeah. Is it something you're going to be putting out while you're going to wait until this kind of subsides? Or? <laughs> well, that's the question, right? Because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ready to be mastered. It can be mastered <laughs> any time. And like we could, we could release it, okay. but I don't even know if anybody's making vinyl right now. I, I don't know. I mean, right. what's what, like, yeah. do we just, do we just throw it up? Hey y'all, here it is. <laughs> right. I, I, right. And then. I don't know when we're going to be able to get back to touring. Yeah. You know, and, and so if it's going to be like, oh, it's going to be a year and a half, I'm like, fuck yeah, put it up. You know, <laughs> but like if it's going to be like mm-hmm. three months or something, then it's going to be like, well, maybe we should hold off on that. Basically, the answer is I don't know, but it's nice okay. to have something done. It's in the pot. Yeah. And it's yeah, ready. Yeah, and yeah. we even have like things that I've written that, that we haven't yeah. recorded yet. So it's not like, and that's something that I learned mm-hmm. from Pleasant Dale, like how they operate in the Melvins is that they're always, they always are working on the next thing always looking forward yeah yeah and and the nice thing about that is that it almost doesn't matter how things are perceived because you already are fulfilling your artistic need and vision by moving on to the next right i'm already past that you can take it or leave it i'm my favorite thing is the new thing i'm working on right Right. And it's not necessarily to denigrate past things, but it allows you to get out of the mindset of kind of armchair quarterbacking it. Oh, I should have done this. Or, oh, why? I wonder why that didn't connect with people the way that I thought it did. Well, who cares? John, the next. (laughs) Yeah. Because any artist will tell you, I mean, like every painting you look at, if you're a painter, you're going to want to repaint it. But if you just go on to the next one, it's a lot easier. What's that quote that no art project is? truly finished only abandoned right <laughs> well, i agree with that 100 yeah yeah how many verses to hallelujah are there out there right. speaking of cohen <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Speaking of Leonard cohen <laughs> well and, and i feel but i feel like with this band and, and the way this band operates and the way that we write and arrange things the vision is the most fully articulated fully realized thing i've ever done and it's it's the rare case where pretty much everything that we've done so far has been like yep that's exactly what i thought it was gonna be Mm -hmm. good bad or indifferent it's not (laughs) you know like it's that's what i thought it was gonna be i mean it's expectations And, and it feels good because there's been so many times in other bands where i'm like yeah you know it's good i like it it's not exactly where i thought it was gonna be but that's fine right so as far as artistic fulfillment goes, I've never been more artistically fulfilled. And that's why it makes me really happy when people connect with it and mm-hmm. people find something they like out of it. Cause even people that have been with me and my different bands over time, be like, well, this is the most me you pretty much ever will get. 
<laughs> like even yeah. though it's under the auspices <laughs> of the band, it's me. Right. Sure. And if you like it, awesome. And if you don't, that's also fine because I know it's what it is. And and and, and you're stupid, and I don't like you. So. Right. Yeah. And you <laughs> suck, and you have no taste. No, I mean you know whatever. There's there's plenty of stuff where I I, I picked this up from Tim Midget from Silkworm. Oh, yeah. He said something really smart about just you know when I hear something I used to feel that like oh that sucks that's not good and unless there's like clear lack of musicianship and it's like you know literally just like you know unlistenably terrible or whatever along those lines i just assume it's for someone else and it's not for me and that allows me to like not be annoyed by something that something exists that i don't care about but also realize that things are subjective and there might be someone that thinks it's great and that's okay and i don't have to listen to it and that's fine and i always thought that was a really adult way of looking at it i'm like huh Sure. Because I spent a lot of time railing about what I considered bad music when I was younger. It's a waste of energy. I, I don't consider that time well spent. <laughs> yeah. Passionless to me is bad. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, but then some people like having music that's just on in the background. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and that's not me. Like I hate background music for background people. <laughs> that's a good album title, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> but i i think it it is something that it's not like my opinions have like changed or even weathered that much i just try to look at the perspective of things can just not be for me and for some people what what that's allowed is like i have total respect for some artists that like i don't i think their music is ear cancer for my taste but like you know whatever someone gets something out of it yeah fine I'll just move on to something I do like instead of bitching about something I don't. Yeah. That sounds There's like There's so much more stuff fun. to listen to in this world. Why would you? Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you spend a moment obsessing about stuff that sucks in your mind? Like, why don't you move on to something that you like? It's like standing in a museum, staring at a painting you hate for a yeah, well, this, this is just really mediocre. I just, right. I don't, I don't like this at all. You've been here for four hours, sir. You need to move along. <laughs> right. It's almost like the definition of a grudge that I've heard a couple of good ones but one is it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies right (laughs) totally (laughs) that makes me think of the princess bride which makes me happy (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) so i think we're getting to about the hour and a half mark something like that yes do we want to wrap it up here cool yeah it's your your show yeah i had a good time man i I think it's a good spot (laughs) tell me (laughs) (laughs) no so it's it's been great and i really appreciate you guys having me on i had a great time i can tell john did too oh yeah love to catch one of your shows and things get back to normal next time next time and and again all praise to Adam from Nerd Table for uh, providing the avenue for me, even finding out about you guys in the per- in the first place. Yeah, we're all for pimping him out when we can. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. For, thanks so much for if I haven't mentioned. Thanks so much for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to Undetermined the Podcast Night with uh, special guest Conan Neutron. Yay. <laughs>